And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green, back after a one-week vacay, and the last time we talked, you know, there were a couple of things going on, a couple of logs in the fire, and lo and behold, we reconvened two weeks later. Spring football is in full swing. The Gator basketball team has put a couple of wins back-to-back, mm-hmm. and, oh, by the way, Gator baseball has started. So there is a lot going on, Denny, and certainly spring football on the top of mind for many Gator fans. Yes, yeah, actually like a <clears throat> little bit of a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Almost like it's 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 kind of crazy. I think the how everything's changed the last couple of weeks, at least down here, is it does feel a little bit more normal. But a lot a lot going on in Gainesville, a lot of good stuff going on in Gainesville as well. But first, I, are you drinking a chocolate shake this early? Uh, no, this is a smoothie. This oh, is a, okay. This okay. Is a I just saw the brown and I was like, that's bold. No, I may, I may go to that strategy. There is a strawberry mixed in, a okay. little bit of peanut butter action mixed oh, okay, in there. Okay. So okay. it's uh it's actually not. All that bad for you. It's kind okay. of healthy, as a matter no, of fact. I was, I was about to be jealous. I was about to just say, bump it. I'm, I'm drinking chocolate shakes. <laughs> well, I, I would I would probably love a chocolate <laughs> shake right now. Believe me. Uh, something that Gator fans love. And, and look, you know how social media is. I got a kick out of it, and I thought of you immediately, because for people that don't know, Denny and his work at Six Points Quarterback Training, you've trained Anthony Richardson and have worked with Anthony Richardson a bunch leading up to his time coming to the University of Florida, and actually you still work mm-hmm. with Anthony Richardson to this day. There was a practice throw, oh, I guess this past weekend, where he hit DeMarcus Bowman, the transfer from Clemson on a wheel route that set Gator Twitter ablaze. At Bowman's speed and at Richardson's accuracy, you've told me that Anthony Richardson has had a very good start to spring practice. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, here's the thing about Anthony, and I and I think Emory. We've talked about this. Emory Jones is a starter. It's going to be hard to hold Anthony off. It's going to be hard, and it's not anything. There's nothing you can do about it. Anthony is one of these freak of an athlete guys who's from Gainesville, um, who is got every attribute you want. Like the the knock on him originally was uh can he throw that well? And and 2 years ago I came here saying, "Listen, this dude is an amazing thrower." And he is. He's he's uh he's elite at throwing the football. Like if that's all he could do if he ran a 4940 and he was a drop back passer, he would still be a division 1 quarterback. I'll put it that way. The fact that he also runs a 44 and he's 230 and there's no fat and he's so athletic that the dude's doing backflips and windmill slam dunks right after practice. The, the whole team is infatuated with him, and all of Gator Nation will be when they get to see him a little bit more. Why? Is it fair to say he was under-recruited, and if so, why was that? Anthony had the craziest one-year transformation I've ever seen in my life, physically. He was under-recruited, but it was justifiable. Because he committed to Penn State, right, at one point— did he? I thought he. I thought he was at least visiting Penn he, State. He decommitted from Florida. He was committed to Florida his junior year in high school. Okay. He decommitted from Florida for about a three or four week stretch. Went and looked at Penn State, a couple other places, and then recommitted. So maybe that was. I know he at least visited it was during Penn State. the whole 
Anthony Richardson, Carson Beck drama. Okay. Right. Which was the most awkward day of my life. A different conversation for a different day. I was at Florida when both of them were there, like on, on a visit. And it was like, <laughs> I felt so sorry for Brian Johnson. It was just going one to the other, one to the other. And they wanted both of them really badly. So I, I, there was that. But I think it was justifiable that he was a little bit under-recruited. Um, Not really under-recruited, maybe underrated. Um, because he hit like he, he put on probably 30 pounds in an offseason. And, and you know what, to your credit, I remember that Carson Beck, Anthony Richardson day. Carson Beck commits to Georgia. I have people texting me, the sky is falling, so I text you. And you and I did a Gator Bites where you said, this is going back year and a half, almost mm-hmm. two years. You said, I'm telling you, this is not necessarily a bad thing for Florida. No. Getting Anthony Richardson and not getting Carson Beck. And it looks like your words are going to be proven to be true. They're both going to be have phenomenal college careers. I, I always thought the worst thing that could happen is they both go to the same place, and I, there was a time where I thought that was going to happen. Um, but they're both they're both phenomenal, and I think they're both in good situations for what fits them. I I know it's a Gator podcast, but I mean, what's coming out of Athens about Carson so far this offseason is sky high, and if JT slips up, Carson's there, mm-hmm. and after JT leaves, I don't care who these five star recruits are, Carson's going to be the guy. So they'll have many matchups between Carson and Anthony uh, here in Jacksonville. It'll be fun to watch, especially for me. You know, and and the other side of that video, Anthony Richardson threw the wheel route. Demarcus Bowman caught it. Gator fans loved it on social media over the weekend. But it makes you at least think about the running back room. Yeah. And, uh, look, the the, the Jaguars. The Gators have had some lacking running back seasons where they might have had one guy or maybe two guys they got four legitimate guys, it appears, on paper with Pierce, Davis, Lingard, and now Bowman, if he gets eligible. It's almost an embarrassment of riches at the running back spot. I think this year they are a top seven rushing team in the country. I was going to say five, but then you got to remember the armies of the world. and um, Partly because of who they've got at running back. But the other reason is, regardless if it's Emory or Anthony in there, and I think it'll be Emory 90% of the time, that alley player cannot squeeze the running back. Like, that that outside linebacker type, whoever's got contained, that is a quarterback run support guy. And so most of the time, what that does for you offensively is that puts you big on big, that puts you a hat for a hat in the run game. And if you can do that, if you're not minus one in the box – you can run as much as you want to, regardless of your running backs. Then if you put that you've got all these talented guys that can, that can if you give them an inch, that can house it, it could be a huge season in the running game for Florida, which then translates to can Emory and Anthony throw the ball the way we think they can because they're going to have a lot of one-on-one matchups because the run game is going to be so potent. The real question is, Lingard and Bowman, why are they there? Are they there because they wanted to be there? Or are they there because they were over-recruited? And, and for people that don't know, Lingard, a five-star kid, committed to Miami, didn't work out there for whatever reason. Bowman, a five-star kid that went to Clemson. Now, Bowman was teammates. Was it with Keon Zipperer yeah. and all the guys at Lakeland? Basically, everybody from Lakeland that year came to Florida except for Bowman, who went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. Whether he got homesick, whatever happened in Clemson, he then is now returned, and the question is, A, will Bowman be eligible? 
And B, you're right. Why did it not work out at Clemson? Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural just to go, okay, why did a kid who was a freshman who had been there maybe a couple of months, why would he leave already? And Clemson's not clear across the country, right? So, I'm, I'm, And I'm not suggesting that he's any good, but it's, it's the first thought that I have is, okay, Lingard, Florida wanted him, right, coming out of high school. Bowman, Florida thought they had him. Florida, they really wanted him. Yeah, coming out of high school. So they were both recruited by Florida. Why did they choose somewhere else, and then why did they come back? I don't think it's – Gator fans are going to say, well, it's because they realized they made the wrong, their own, wrong decision. I don't think it's that. Like I, it, I think in Bowman's case, he may have gotten to Clemson and went, wait, there's like four other five stars ahead of me, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know what happened with Lingard, Miami. It depends who you listen to. If they are what people thought they were coming out of high school, this Florida team's not going to skip a beat offensively. It's just going to look different. And and you know, we'll talk about this as the off season goes on. But it's the Cliff Notes version here. When I think about the offense next year, and I think about the four running backs, and then you add in Copeland and Shorter and Henderson, Mm -hmm. and Whitmore, and then you go to Zipperer, and you go to Gamble at tight end. We'll see about uh, Gilbert. We'll see if he becomes eligible to the tight end they got from from LSU. I wouldn't count on that. That, That's at least the rumor right now. Uh, But So even take Gilbert out of the equation. I mean, you got 10, 11 guys on offense that not only can you count on this year, but have done stuff for you already in a Gator uniform. And you missed one that I think is going to have a breakout year. Rick Wells. Yes. Yeah. Who's back for year nine. Exactly. I really believe that the JT Barrett of Florida, Rick Wells, is is going to have – it's not going to be a 1,000-yard season, but he's going to make some big catches. But to your point, we ended last year going, is there enough weapons? And now you start to look at the way this offense is forming and you go – wait, this could be as much fun as last year to watch offensively with possibly a better defense. Gator fans, or we always talk ourselves into a frenzy. But I think it's legit this year. My expectations for this Gator team are no lower than they were for last year. Wow. Yeah. Now, the schedule's harder. It is. Because Alabama, LSU, Georgia, I mean, that's that's a bear of a schedule. you got to win two of the three. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And if you're at a level that – is a national contender level, which is what Dan Mullen says is the standard, then you should win two or two of those three. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and you can listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour, with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. I want to get into Gator hoops in a moment, but before we get there, spring football starting up all over the country. Uh, in fact, on XL Primetime, we're going to kick off kind of our our spring coaches uh, roundtable, if you will. We like to catch up with various college coaches from around the country. We're going to begin it this Friday uh, on XL Primetime with Josh Heupel, the brand-new head coach at Tennessee. And it got me thinking. There are three new head coaches in the SEC East alone mm-hmm. coming into this season. Almost a 50% turnover. Let's spend a brief moment on each, beginning with Heupel in Knoxville. Good coach, inheriting a really tough situation. What's a realistic expectation for Josh Heupel in year one? Oh, gosh. Year one could be his best year. His best year? Yeah, I I, I think... Because sanctions are coming? We're scratching the surface on... 
what's happening at Tennessee. Um, so why do you take that job if you're Josh Heupel? I don't know. I, I said that at the time. I, I don't. I don't think that's. You went from a job where I mean, you took it for money, obviously. And, and it is and, Tennessee and, and the logo. Yeah. But the reality is, you have was it 17 players in the portal right now? Something like that. A lot of the class you just signed, you're gonna have to do a hell of a job recruiting um, these next couple of years to fill a lot of holes. I, I, I don't think I think Heupel was probably assured five years, and if you're Tennessee, like you're at a point now where you got to keep a coach five years mm-hmm. financially, um, really just kind of respect for the program because you've turned over so much lately that you're kind of in that situation anyway. So I mean, I, I don't think they're gonna be all that competitive. Um, I, they'll win four or five games, you know, three games in the SEC. I don't know what their out of schedule, out of conference schedule is, but I know they have Florida and Alabama and Georgia every year. So there's three L's right there. They're not going to be competitive in those games. And you would think, you know, teams like Kentucky, South Carolina might have the upper hand on them as well. Speaking of South Carolina, they have a new head coach as well in the SEC East. A last name very familiar uh, with college football fans, that being Beamer, Shane Beamer, the son of uh, Virginia Tech legend Frank Beamer. What about South Carolina? Will Muschamp out, Shane Beamer in? You know, I'm kind of at the point where, I don't know if you're like this, but every time South Carolina hires a coach, the first thing that goes in my head is, okay, can they win at South Carolina? The obvious answer is no. The obvious answer is South Carolina, their best case scenario is 7-4, and 7-5, something like that. They... I just don't think they can compete because Clemson is swiping up all the good Carolina prospects. South Carolina, you rarely hear about them recruiting Florida like you used to. It used to be a pipeline. Georgia's kind of taken that from them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I think he's a good coach. I think at South Carolina, you pay a guy $5 million a year to win seven or eight games. Let me ask you this. Why did Clemson become a powerhouse in that state and not South Carolina? They have an 85,000-seat stadium. From what I've been told, their facilities are – Awesome at South Carolina. Yeah, I mean they got a lot of things going for them. Why did Clemson get to the throne before South Carolina? Boy, there'd be some interesting takes on that if you asked Carolina people. If you asked the people that cover both of those teams, there'd be some interesting takes, even some suggestions of recruiting. Wow. Yeah, issues. Um, I think the main reason is they found a dynamic coach who they wanted to fire. Yeah, originally, and Clemson's got heritage. I mean, they in the eighties and yeah, you nineties know, I mean, to an extent. Yeah, but what happened was they Dabo did a great job of finding assistants. Dabo did a great job of finding exciting assistants, assistants that play offense, that can coach offense, and can recruit. And then Clemson invested heavily in their facilities and heavily in their brand. And I think that's the difference. I think. South Carolina tried to go the Will Muschamp way of defense. At the same time, Clemson's putting up 55 a game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to get kids to buy in to 14, 13 games and the occasional upset in the rain because that's what it was against Georgia a couple years ago. It was a downpour when Clemson's out there throttling people and going to, to the Final Four every year. And we'll see what Shane Beamer can do at South Carolina. Finally, Vanderbilt. And I think every time Vanderbilt hires a coach – The question is, will he be the next James Franklin? I think it goes to show you how good a coach James Franklin is where he had that Vanderbilt program. You look at Derek Mason's gone. 
I thought Mason was a, a good coach. I still think he is a good coach. In fact, I think Auburn hired him as the D coordinator. I think it's a great job. That uh, Auburn staff. Oof. Yeah, I think that's a great job by Auburn to get Derek Mason. But Vandy's just hard to win at. Now, the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, Clark Lee, coming in, I don't truthfully know much about him personally. I know Notre Dame had a pretty good defense. We'll see what happens. But, again, it's Vanderbilt. And when you have the academic standard Vanderbilt does and you're competing against cathedrals and, and gargantuans of the college football world, you're just not going to win at Vanderbilt. It's pretty simple. I think it's pretty smart what they did, though. Uh, two two observations I had. One, that was when they hired Clark Lee is when Ian Book was in town working with me. And Ian Book spoke highly of Clark Lee. Like, when that when that hire happened, Ian, Ian was like, that, that dude's the real deal. Um, the second thing is... They went and got a coach from a program that has similar issues. Not as big, but Notre Dame does not really adjust their enrollment schedule. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gonna you have to qualify the same way as most students. Not not quite as much, but pretty close in order to get a Notre Dame. At Florida, there's two different sets of qualifications. If you run four four, then if you say you teach me to football, you're in. <laughs> right, you can have a four point four GPA and be a regular student and maybe not get in. It is what it is. It's that's what it is. That's not the way it is at Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, Stanford, Wake Forest, those places like that. So I think the guy has already felt that frustration and seen a an effective recruiting model um, from Notre Dame. What I would do if I was a Vanderbilt head coach is I would study what David Shaw and Harbaugh did at, at Stanford because they recruited, they made Stanford. An offer that everybody wanted to get, that that could get it yeah. academically, you got to find a way to do that. There's oh. such a small pool that that Vanderbilt offer has got to mean something. And truthfully, like we'll go, Pat Fitzgerald's done at Northwestern. Now Northwestern's a little different because it, Northwestern, you're right, but go look at their facilities. Northwestern may have the they they're in the top ten for football facilities. Yes, wow, it's unbelievable. I, if you're watching this. Go Google Northwestern football's indoor. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Huh? To the I've got quarterbacks right now that are waiting on that Northwestern offer that have other SEC and ACC offers. Northwestern has done that. You're right. Pat Fitzgerald has done that, but he's gotten a big bump from multi hundred million dollar facilities. Real quick before we wrap up on basketball, um, the other four coaches: Missouri, Kentucky, obviously Georgia, and Florida. How would you rank them going into spring ball 2021? I mean, Georgia's first right now because of the way Dan Mullen ended the season. So you'd still you'd have Kirby and then Mullen second. Yeah, and and really, just I'm looking at the staffs, not just the head guy, but the staffs. Florida took a couple of hits. Um, it would it would go Georgia, Florida. Huh. People love Missouri, man. I, I I know. I mean, not trying to slight Kentucky. They changed their offensive coordinator, which is a good thing. Um, but I think I'd go Missouri, Kentucky. Now, I will say this. That Auburn staff, I love what they've done. I like the staff. The The hire of the the coach from Boise State, it's an odd hire, right? Because I, he doesn't have any Southeastern ties. He doesn't. But So I have a kid who just committed to them, um, Holden Gurner, who is a four-star prospect, every offer that he wanted he had. And I've gotten a chance to speak with Coach Harson a couple times, and wow, I can see why they hired him. Mm-hmm. He is an SEC coach. He speaks the language. He knows what he's doing. Everything is planned out. He has a plan. 
it, it's going to get interesting in Auburn. Have you had any interaction with Gus Malzahn now that he's in Orlando at UCF? Bump Gus Malzahn. No. <laughs> You're not planning on talking to Gus no, Malzahn. No, 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 no. Do you like that hire, though, for UCF, just out of curiosity? No. no, I hate it. You just went from playing an exciting brand of football where even as a non-UCF fan, if they were on, people would watch because you were running a play every 12 seconds, putting up 45 points, to finding 12 different formations to run power out of. Mm-hmm. You you hired a name. So, congrats, UCF. Well, I guess Malzahn over UCF. To me, that is one of the more interesting hires. And remember, Butch Jones back in it, too, Arkansas State. So, a lot of big-time names taking over group of five programs in 2021. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. We are recording this podcast on February 24th. That means we are less than a week away from the month of March. And March Madness. It's crazy, isn't it? It got here unbelievably quick. Most of uh, the point being there is that Florida's only played 18 games yeah. because of COVID issues. But a big win over Georgia this past weekend. They got lucky last night. Auburn had some injury issues, and Florida had very little trouble with Auburn. To me, Florida's in the NCAA oh, tournament in. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could lose to Kentucky. You could lose to Missouri. And you could even lose your, your first uh, game in the tournament. I wouldn't like that at twelve and nine. I might, you know, be biting some fingernails on Selection Sunday, but I still think you'd get in as a ten or an eleven seed. Uh, but Mike White's going to get him back in the tournament, and and with the Keontae Johnson situation, all the stopping and starting with COVID-related issues, getting in the tournament this year for Florida, to me, that's a huge check mark for Mike White. Okay, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you on this, and I'm going to tell you that if he wins two out of the last three. Or no, I guess one of the last two, and then wins two tournament games, and gets that. There might be a five seed. Five yeah, or that's six what I'm seed. saying. Yeah. Gets that fifth seed. I will get on board with you on that because Florida, without their best player, should be a top thirty team in the country. Florida, without their best player, it should be given that they're a top sixty team. You would agree with that? Yeah, but it, it's been a weird year. I mean, the, the, it wasn't. It wasn't like Keontae Johnson had a high ankle sprain. The dude passed out, I, all I, the hospital I, I, issues. I understand, but he's fine. He's fine. He's yeah. fine. Like, if, if it was something where he's still, like, I, I would, but he's fine. He's around the program. Um, and I'm not trying to hate on Mike White. In fact, I'm I'm saying he did a great job this year, and I hope it's a th- uh, something that we can look forward to. But where that program was when he got it, I'm not going to praise a 10 or 11 seed. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And hey, look, I mean, Kentucky wiped the floor with them last time. I hope that has the Gator backbone raised a little bit when they go to Rupp on Saturday. It's be a tough matchup always. It, it will be, but this is not a good Kentucky team. You should be competitive against this Kentucky team. And Missouri's very good. If they were able to win one of these next two, and like you said, win a game or two in the tournament, you might be looking at a sixth seed. And a sixth seed, maybe you do get to the Sweet 16. Right. Sweet 16, to me, is... An unbelievable success. Boy, this COVID stuff has killed the one-and-done teams, hasn't it? Oh, Duke and, and Kentucky. And UNC. And, yeah, Michigan I mean, State. Yeah, killed the one-and-done teams. It's It's been – that's that's interesting. Very interesting how how much that offseason matters to these guys. Uh, finally, did you take, get a look at the new ballpark for baseball? Love it. 
Yeah. yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about it. And we were saying before, like, for me, that that's just a huge step forward for Florida. They're playing in a renovated arena, but I think if you went around the country or the SEC, it's it's bottom five. They're playing in a football stadium. On the inside's awesome. The guts around it is maybe eighth or ninth. Yeah, but it's the swamp, man. Right. I'm not but but the football facility is being built. The indoor has been built. This is I think a huge step in the right direction to revamping that entire area um at Florida. And it was a disappointing start. Miami took two out of three, but it's a long season. They play fifty some odd games. So we'll see what Kevin O'Sullivan and the boys can do here in twenty twenty one. That is Denny Thompson. You get him weeknights on the sports den alongside big game James Coleman. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. You get me middays on XL Primetime alongside Leon Searcy, Joe Cowart, and Matt Hayes. Hard to believe next week will be the month of March. And I want to get into some Gators in the NFL. A couple of big-time free agent Gators. They're going to hit the free agent market. And I also want to spend time next week talking about the careers of Marquise and Mike Pouncey, Mm -hmm. both guys who announced their retirement earlier this month. Marquise is probably going to Canton into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that next week. Do you yeah. do you agree with that? Uh, let me think about that. All right. You let get me back to me that. in seven yeah, days. Let me think about that. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites right here on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.